In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. As Father Peter said last, uh, last week in his homily, we have now entered into the longest of all of our liturgical seasons, Trinity time. And we enter into this season having come off the remembrances of all of the things that make up what we call the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ as he would be enfleshed upon the earth. From his conception to his birth, to his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And as he would ascend and we would celebrate just two weeks ago, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where he would pour his divinity, the divinity of the Godhead into us for our salvation, joining us to himself. And so it's in Trinity Tide, this long season, where the focus of our attention is constantly looking at the fact that we who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, how then shall we live? Those of us who are being saved and being redeemed by that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How do, we, how do we become the kingdom of God collectively for all to experience one another and those outside of the church? How then shall we live as those filled with the divinity of God? And on this first Sunday after Trinity, the first Sunday within this season, Christ in his wisdom has given us a focus in this mass with these holy scriptures to lay down for us the foundation, the absolute foundation of what it is to be a son and daughter of the living God, what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, manifesting the glory of God and all that he is in and through our lives. And that foundation is the focus on the greatest of all the virtues, the virtues of all virtues. Today our focus is on becoming love. And we hear it in the epistle of 1 John in chapter 4. Listen to this teaching, this exhortation of God through this blessed apostle. Calling us to become love. The apostle John writes, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And there you have it, why love is the virtue as proclaimed by the church for all these 2,000 years. Why love is the foundational virtue to the Christian experience, to our salvation, and to God's manifesting himself in and through us. Why? Because God himself is love. And what is our salvation? Becoming like God by that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. St. John continues, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, that is love, by this we know that we dwell in him. And he and us because he's given us of his spirit. Listen to what he said. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God dwells within us. What's he saying? No one has seen God at any time until Christ. 
And in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwelled, and the love of God was made manifest. And in the same way, no one has seen God. But when we become love, and we live from this blessed virtue, we all may experience God in such a perfect and wondrous and holy way. And so as St. John sets the foundation of our Christianity and our salvation with love, we also have the gospel reading from St. Luke in chapter 16 to start building upon that foundation, which our Lord Jesus Christ gives us the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Let's remember this story. The rich man, his entire life was a life that was focused on himself. He was focused on gaining wealth, protecting his wealth, Enjoying all that wealth would provide him in this life. And we're told that every day he would come out of his house, come out of his gate, and right outside the gate was Lazarus. Lazarus was a poor beggar who suffered greatly because his entire being was filled with sores that would not go away. And the rich man would pass by and wouldn't even acknowledge the existence of poor Lazarus. He lived with blinders on this rich man. We're told that even the dogs would come and lick the sores of this man. If you ever wonder why that's in this particular scripture, why Jesus throws this in this blessed parable, you know why dogs would lick another dog or sometimes lick themselves in various places as a gesture of healing, to promote healing. The rich man walked by Lazarus, didn't even acknowledge his existence, but dogs would actually come and care for him better than the And so both of these men die, we're told. And Lazarus, who had suffered all of his life, he is embraced into the bosom of Abraham paradise where all of his lifelong suffering would be relieved for all eternity. He would enter into the joy and the peace and finally and lasting contentment. No more suffering for him. And he would enjoy that forever. But what about the rich man who had no love? And did not become love. He goes into the eternal torment of the lack of love. The lack of the presence of God. And there he would be in eternity. Because he lived his life absolutely with blinders on to the human needs that were all around him at all times. And he is suffering so greatly, we're told, that he pleads. The other side of the chasm. Please send someone to talk to my family. Send someone to talk to my family so that they don't endure what I'm enduring. Because I failed to become love. And to love. You know, when I read this parable many times this week, there is a parallel story that kept coming to my mind that I want to share with you if you'll let me a parallel story to this very parable. And it's actually found in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. My mind kept going back to it. So if you don't mind, I'll bring a little Christmas into late June. Is that okay? <laughs> the scene that kept coming back to my mind is when Jacob Marley, the longtime business associate, business partner of Scrooge, after seven years dead, comes back to visit Scrooge in an attempt to call him 
to repentance. When Jacob Marley shows up, he is all in chains. He is bound in chains all over his shoulders and body, and lengths of chains went on and on from behind him like a great train. Why is he visiting Ebenezer Scrooge? Because Ebenezer Scrooge is literally the rich man in the parable. Ebenezer Scrooge lived his life for the accumulation and the protection of his wealth. He would hardly ever spend a dime protecting his wealth just so that he could hold on to it. Not only ignoring all of those human needs that were constantly around him during that time, but even having disdain for those who had the needs. Let them take care of themselves. And so he lived only for himself. With his entire focus of his life in his little crunched up business office. Doing his business. Living life 100% for self. And so Jacob shows up in all of these chains. Eternal suffering is what the sign was of those chains. See Marley in his life lived in the same way that Scrooge did. All he cared about was his business. All he cared about was the day to day his life. And so he ended up like this in eternity. And he explains to Scrooge that all these chains that you see were forged link by link, day by day, in my failure to meet the needs of others, my failure to love. And he also says to Scrooge that part of the judgment for me was that I have to wander the earth daily, Seeing all the human suffering and the needs around me that I was blind to in my entire life. But now I see them, but I can't do anything about them. Continued suffering. And this is what Jacob presents to Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge reaches out to his business partner, seeing what he's become. And he tries to comfort him by saying, but Jacob, you are such a good man of business. I want to read to you the direct quote from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol of how Jacob responds to this so-called method of comfort. Business, cried the ghost, wringing his hands again. Mankind was to be my business. The common welfare was my business. Love, mercy, forbearance, benevolence, these were all to be my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the ocean. Of what my business should have been. And there in Jacob Marley's repentance. We see the truth of Jesus Christ. That he is presenting to us today. For those of us who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Our business is that now of a foreign kingdom. Our business is the business of what God is. Who God is. It is the business of love. It is the business of the common welfare of all, both within the church and outside of the church. It is to live on this earth, offering to those of what we have, whether it is money or time or comfort or mercy. The business of the church, the business of becoming love, is that our blinders are constantly more and more being stripped away from our own personal needs or priorities. We begin to take on the heart of God. You see what Marley learned in death. Just like the rich man in the parable learned in death. Is that he had lived his life entirely upside down 
and backwards. He lived for himself with that blindness that we keep speaking of to the needs of others. Really, he lived in self-love, not God's love, which is always reaching out and sacrificing for the benefit of others. Not out of obligation, but because of who we've become. And there's a big difference. I want you to hear that again. We don't love and show charity and mercy out of obligation to try to earn our way into heaven. We live in communion with God in the daily and living in communion with God. We become like Him. And the natural result of being like Him is the love of God flows through our lives. My friends, it's not about doing great things either, the way that this world would define great things. You know, I thank God that there are people who are gifted and called by God and set in place to create wonderful and great ministries for the disenfranchised, for the poor, for the needy. I thank God for that. But that is not the calling of all of us. I want us to get our mind out of the world's definition, so to speak, of what great is when it comes to ministry. The way that we live, as I mentioned just a minute ago, we live by experiencing God through fellowship the way He designed it back in the very garden. That by fellowship with God, we become like the one we're constantly before. The one who constantly speaks with us, shares Himself, and again has given us His Holy Spirit to become like Him. So that when we go, everywhere we go, now we are seeing those around us and the needs of those around us through the eyes of the one we've been spending so much time with. We begin to see and take on his heart. For we become like him through union. We take on his heart for those that are suffering around us both within the body of Christ and those outside. This last week, a number of us attended the memorial service for Michelle Bradbury's father. And I was reminded of a quote from Mother Teresa that was shared on that day. I'll share it with you. Mother Teresa said, Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do little things with great love. Not all of us can do great things. But we can all do little things. What is she talking about? In the daily. The most minute things. You have no idea how the power of God through the smallest of things can reveal God to a person and extend his incredible divine mercy to a person who's suffering. We can all do little things with great love. And in closing, I share with you one last thought from the Apostle John to encourage us and exhort us. Again, to spend such time in fellowship with God that we grow in this love that we're speaking about today. The Apostle teaches in our epistle reading in verse 17 that love has been perfected among us toward this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. What's he saying? Have boldness, not have arrogance on the day of judgment. It's having the complete sense of oneness with God that I can go before Him and accept anything that He has for me. I come to Him because I've had relation with Him, relationships with Him all of my days. And I stand before Him now, and because I spent all that time, I have become love 
as he is love and he recognizes this. You see. Let me, let me read to you, even better put, St. Bede on that one verse. St. Bede taught this. When Christians are young in their faith, they tend to have more fear about the coming judgment day. But for those who grow to maturity in Christ, are growing to know Him and become like Him along the way. As they become like Him and grow to know Him, the fear diminishes and they look forward to the coming of the One who is the desire of all the nations. When we become loved through our fellowship with God, we fear less the judgment and long await and greatly await being with Him forever. That's what the Apostle is saying. And so I close with a prayer. It's in your St. Aidan's Little Western Rite Prayer Books. It's a prayer that can be said in any of the hours of prayer. You've heard me say this before, but it's a good one for this, to seal this today. And that prayer is this. Oh God, set our hearts free from the service of ourselves, that we may do Thy will through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.